Support for the Trailblazers.fm podcast comes from the Campaign for Black Male Achievement. It's a national membership network that reminds us that there's no cavalry coming to save the day in our communities. We are the iconic leaders we've been waiting for, the curators of the change we're seeking to see. Now, my good brother, Sean, Dove, and the entire CBMA family are supporting leaders on the ground, while at the same time, amplifying and catalyzing Black male achievement around the country. My ask of you is that you join the campaign today. Hop on over to tvpod.com slash blackmaleachievement. Go ahead and click on the link in the top navigation menu to join the network, the CBMA network. Register right now and become part of this movement to give back to the young black men and boys all around the country that need us. You're listening to the Trailblazers podcast, where we will explore the stories of successful Black professionals. Join us as we highlight the knowledge, resources, and tools of these accomplished trailblazers to help provide the know-how, confidence, and motivation you need to blaze your trail. And now, here's your host, Stephen Hart. What's up, friends? Welcome to today's episode. It's our first episode, actually, following the success of our Trailblazer Entrepreneurs series. That was such a fantastic series. It's filled up with so much terrific wisdom, right? And inspiration and actionable advice. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or you're an accomplished business owner, I think that there was so much there for you to take away. I really enjoyed every last ounce of what we call hashtag mission fuel on the Trailblazers podcast. So I've been so busy myself as an entrepreneur. I successfully launched our very first cycle of my course, Brand New Academy. Got a fantastic cohort of amazing professionals and leaders and entrepreneurs inside this first class that we're going to be helping to build their amazing personal brand and build out a digital footprint that sets them apart, right? And helps them to stand out in a crowd. Listen, if you're interested in building your personal brand, and you're interested in learning more about Brand New, hop on over to brandnewacademy.co to sign up to learn more. And we'll let you know when our next class is coming live. Again, hop on over to brandyouacademy.co. I wanted to circle back really quickly though and just say thank you so much because many of you were sharing up our episodes and sharing the Entrepreneur Series. I saw so many posts and comments on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram and IG stories and just everywhere. I wish you could see the size of the smile on my face when I see how much these episodes have impacted your lives and help you to reframe mindsets and take action towards improving your own situation. Because that's what it's all about. It's always been about me helping you to take action towards your dream and towards your goals. And that's what today's guest is all about, right? She is an amazing woman. Allow me to introduce you to Dr. Tori Wiesten-Serdin, Tori is a scholar and practitioner who received a PhD in education at the age of 30, and she's dedicated her life and career to teaching and mentoring young people in her community. She does extensive work with different community-based organizations in support of their youth advocacy efforts. And Tori founded the Youth Mentoring Action Network. It's a nonprofit organization that focuses on mentoring. She served over 600 youth, helping them to get into universities like UC Berkeley, American, Howard, Clark Atlanta, and others. And she's an expert in youth mentoring, specializing in training mentors to work with diverse youth populations, which include Black, Latino, 
LGBTQ, first-generation college students, and low-income youth. And what I love most about Tori is that she's really using her voice to advocate for the voice of our youth and has given several talks on education and mentoring, including a recent TEDx talk that you need to check out. And she's published think pieces on mentoring, education, and teaching, and currently serves on the LGBTQ National Advisory Council and also a researcher for the California Mentoring Partnership Research Committee. Blazer Nation, let's get set to receive today's mission fuel from our featured trailblazer, Dr. Tori Wiesten-Serdin. Enjoy. Tori, welcome and thank you so much for sharing in this conversation with me tonight. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yes. So I am sure you know this, but I have almost like this ritual happening on TV pod where I start every conversation off from a place of gratitude, right? So I want you to share with us what's an unexpected blessing that you're most grateful for in your life right now. Can I just say the weather? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know I live in Southern California, so people probably expect that answer, but we're getting into fall. So the weather's cooling down just a little bit. It's a nice 70. It's beautiful out. I guess you don't realize how important the weather is. (laughs) Seriously. Yes. So my gratitude right now is for nice, just beautiful weather. I can appreciate that. And I am in Maryland where it's going to get cold in a few months. And (laughs) so I'm like literally enjoying and soaking up, having windows down while I drive home in the evening. (laughs) Good stuff. This Jamaican boy loves flip-flops and shorts. (laughs) (laughs) I can appreciate that. I can appreciate it. Tori, did you grow up in Cali? I did. I grew up right here where I live in the Inland Empire of Southern California. Wow. What comes to mind when you think about growing up there? Oh, man. A lot of joy immediately comes to mind. I just think about sort of the freedom we had and Again, the weather that we had, you know, the weather is always connected to dress and fashion. So (laughs) just the things we used to care about in terms of, you know, how we looked in the summer and how we looked. We really only have summer in California. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I teed myself up for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you did. (laughs) But no, but growing up here was just, you know, I remember probably a lot of things that everyone else remembers, riding the bikes. You know, riding your bikes in the street and visiting neighbors and just, you know, like, again, the long summer days where you're out and under the trees and, you know, barbecues, those kind of just fun stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good times. Good times. Did you always, I guess, growing up, did you envision a life like the one you're living today? Oh, not even. No? <laughs> you know, I knew that I had ideas. I had vision, obviously, but I didn't think my life would be like it is. I think... You know, growing up, there was struggle for sure. I didn't see myself really surpassing my mother and my grandmother who really raised me. And now that I look back, like I'm older and I see things differently, I'm thankful for what I have. I mean, I think I'm living the life that my mother and my grandmother, I don't even think they thought (laughs) that I would get to this point, not in terms of success, but just, you know, the ability to take care of myself and, you know, just being able to have the things that I have. I didn't think I would be this stable. And I am, and it's a good feeling because I can give back. Yes. Yeah. So let's use that as a segue. Let's talk a little bit about some of what you have your hands in today. You're CEO of the Youth Mentoring Action Network, and you've also been working on a center for critical mentoring. Tell us a little bit more about your organization and what it's all about. Yeah. So 
The Youth Mentoring Action Network, I founded in 2007. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just started this thing. And a lot of what it comes down to is really back to what we were talking about in terms of my childhood and my growing up. Mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to go to high school in Claremont. And anyone who's familiar with this area of Southern California, Claremont is actually called, we call it like playfully the city of trees and PhDs. Mm-hmm. And so the Claremont colleges are centered there, you know, per capita is really good. And even though my family struggled, they knew that they wanted me to be in this space to get educated because that's where I would have access and resources. So once I finished going to school and I got my teacher's credential, I started teaching in the Rancho Fontana area, which is about 15, 20 minutes east of where I went to school. Right. And the difference in access and the difference in resources, just 15 minutes east of where I grew up and where I lived. And that's really what prompted me to start the Youth Mentoring Action Network, because I remember thinking, how come these young people don't have all the same opportunities that I had? And how can they be this close (laughs) to where I went to school and not have a third of that access? And that's what prompted me to start it. And originally it was the African-American mentoring program. And I really just kind of got all the black educators on campus together to mentor black youth. Like I said, I made a lot of mistakes. (laughs) That was one of them. (laughs) But now it's grown to be a youth centric organization Our mission is to leverage the power of mentoring for equity and justice. So we do everything that's culturally sustaining. We're building, we're collaborating with young people to build critical spaces that serve them. And it's been very rewarding, very rewarding. What's the end goal? What's the big vision that you have for it? For me, the big vision is to have global impact. I want people that are working with youth all over the world Mm -hmm. to do critical youth work in a culturally sustaining way. If you are working with marginalized young people, young people of color, I want you to be doing it right. I want you to be doing it in a way that honors who they are and where they come from. And so for me, the big goal, the big vision is to make sure everyone gets that message and everyone knows how to do that. And, you know, I know that the work you're doing is not easy, right? First off, being a founder, every entrepreneur knows how difficult it is to build and grow a business, but growing a nonprofit business mm-hmm. is, is definitely a different kind of, you know, worms, right? You, you oh. want <laughs> <laughs> to speak yeah, to that? I definitely do. It's, it's interesting in a lot of ways, a lot of the same politics, believe it or not, as being in the for-profit corporate world, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of handshaking, a lot of relationship building, and those things are key. I think what gets in the way of some of that, especially for smaller grassroots nonprofits like mine, is being in this place where you're constantly trying to weigh which resources you take and which resources you don't. Mm. Especially in the work that I'm doing, really thinking about justice and equity and how young people play a role in that, I'm constantly weighing, you know, do I take this money or is this money that I should leave behind? Right you know, because of the strings attached. Should I, you know, form this partnership? Is it something that ultimately is going to benefit, you know, that culturally sustaining piece? And so I think for me, the non building a nonprofit business, I won't say that for-profit corporations don't have integrity. Of course they do. I think, you know, that's something that the best businesses do have. 
But in the nonprofit world, I mean, when you're working with the community, they definitely will hold you accountable, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so as you're building a business, you're also thinking a lot about how you building your nonprofit business is directly impacting the community and what that means for them. And if you're staying true to your mission, and that's difficult to balance. It is. It is. So what are some of the bigger challenges that you're dealing with right now? And, you know, what kind of resources are you needing and working through the challenges of how to solve that? With every nonprofit, your biggest challenge is always, do I have enough money to do Mm -hmm. the work that I'm setting out to do? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think every nonprofit would give you that answer. For us, especially right now in our work, our big challenge is actually just trying to be able to handle our growth. I mean, when we started in 2007, no one was interested in talking about, you know, diversity and equity and that we were talking about it. I couldn't get mentoring funding because, you know, mentoring folks didn't understand what kind of mentoring I was doing. And we've gone from, you know, no one getting it to all of a sudden everyone sort of wanting to have their hands in in some way. Really? And so Why it's is a that? good problem to have. <laughs> Why did you go from no interest to, you know, having that much? Yeah, I think really, and I hate to sound, you know, sort of brash here, but I think people caught up with us. Uh (laughs) You know, now a lot of the conversation is around diversity and equity, around race and sexuality and gender. And those, that language is much more like in the mix, in the center of everyone's minds now, where when we started, people weren't really thinking about that as explicitly. And so there was a disconnect between what we were trying to do and, you know, and what, especially the mentoring field saw as being real mentoring. Now, you know, the mentoring field is sort of following us. Like I said, it's a good problem to have, but it's also for any entrepreneur who's trying to just balance growth, it's also quite difficult just to manage all of that attention and make sure you make the right moves and, you know, that you're being strategic about everything you do. You know, as you said, at Awanda, because you are definitely pointing out that you are a trailblazer <laughs> in, <laughs> in this, right? So are you or were you at any point ever scared that you'd fail? I'm still scared. (laughs) You know, I wake up every day and I just say, you know, I thank God and I just say, keep giving me the wisdom and the strategy and the business savvy to move this vision forward because, you know, the world is a fickle place, right? (laughs) And so I'm always concerned that I'll fail. And not just on the business end, I think what concerns me the most is that I'll disappoint the young people that I serve. You're trying to impact Um, them. Yeah. And I don't ever want them to look at me and see, someone who's given up on the vision, who's given up on the struggle and the work that we do. I always want to be a model for them. And one of the most important things to me and to the Youth Mentoring Action Network is our culture of being youth-centric and really letting youth lead. And that's another thing that, you know, we just really try hard to maintain. And as we grow, that's harder too, you know, because sometimes corporate executives don't want to meet with the (laughs) 15-year-olds. But, you know, I have to explain to them that's a part of our culture. That's what we do. And so they're going to be in the meetings. But those are just things that, you know, on a daily basis, you know, I'm afraid that I'll hit walls. I'll have obstacles and challenges that, you know, one day someone will just say, this isn't worth it. All of those, I think, all of those fears that every entrepreneur has, um, and especially social entrepreneurs. My big fear right now in the Trump era is being vilified (laughs) and, you know, having someone catch on to what we're doing and twist it and turn it and, you know, give it negative attention. That's a big fear right now. So yeah, I think, you know, on a daily basis, there's fear about what I'll do and whether it'll have an impact and how I can keep going. 
are there people that you have in your circle who you trust to be able to provide you that honest, objective feedback along that path? Absolutely. <laughs> so my wife, who is co-founder of the organization, right. does this with me, and she's my number one source. If yeah. it doesn't pass her test, <laughs> it doesn't get done, right? <laughs> and so, and she's very honest about what this work looks like, and you know, and how we stay honest, how we stay honest in this work. Mm-hmm. So I've got an inner circle of you know about four or five folks that I speak to on a regular basis that I you know run things by. I don't think anybody who is successful could be without, you know, that small group of advisors who cheer you on, who tell you to slow down, who tell you to sit down (laughs) when it's time. So I definitely have those folks, but my wife is first and foremost. It gets cleared through her to begin with. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I can appreciate that. (laughs) What's it like working with her day to day though? Oh, it can be difficult sometimes for sure. (laughs) But you know what? It's, you know, it comes down to, you know, like I said, a shared vision. Mm-hmm. She sees the importance of this work. She's been building it alongside me all these years. So she also sees the growth. And she's one of those people, she's never on the, she's going to actually, when she hears this, probably flip out a little bit. But she's, <laughs> she's never on the front end of things. You know, I'm very much the face. People mm-hmm. see a lot of me. But she's always in the background right. taking care of things that I never thought even needed taken care of, right? Yes. And that's really one of the things I value and appreciate about her. She's very detail-oriented. Before I even know that it's a thing we need, it's done. It's taken care of. And so that kind of having that kind of working relationship is a lot has a lot to do with our growth, right? Because she's the worker bee, right? She's just back there knocking it out. And so even though we have our challenges because working together and living together (laughs) and being a couple, you know, sometimes has its challenges, I couldn't ask for a better business partner. That's for sure. That's awesome. Teamwork makes the dream work, right? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. We touched on social entrepreneurs, younger ones earlier. What's your advice to young social entrepreneurs, especially of color, right? Who are on the come up. What's your word to them? Stay focused. You know, I just sent out on a regular basis, I send out like a text message to my inner circle just of, you know, words of inspiration or what have you. And it's funny that you asked me that question because I just sent them, you know, a text that said word for the day, sit tight and stay focused. It's time Mm. for next level. Mm. And that's what I would say to young entrepreneurs. Just, you know, sometimes with the young folks that I'm working with, they see everything as an end result. You know, they have the digital world in front of them. So they get on YouTube, Twitter, all these social media platforms, and they see people who are already successful, but they don't, (laughs) (laughs) they don't see the process. And actually one of my young protégés was talking to me about this just last night. You know, he was saying, you know, my generation just, we just see people successful. We don't see the hard work, the hustle, the grind, the sleepless nights, you know, the not being, being broke and not being able to pay bills. We just see, wow, that looks good on Instagram, right? right. They've got a Bentley or whatever that is. And so for young entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs, I just say, stay focused, sit tight, keep grinding. The process is as important as the end result. There are so many things that I went through that I had to go through in order to be the effective CEO that I am today. And things that I'm going through today that are going to prepare me to be an even more effective CEO tomorrow. So the process is important. As you said, I've literally been sitting in my loft almost this entire week, Tori, 
falling asleep just about every night on my laptop, waking back up, continuing to work well into the morning. Like, I mean, it's one of those weeks where I don't do this on a normal basis, but I know that I'm in a season right now where I have a set goal. No one sees it, right? Like they're going to see the end results and be like, I want this, but they won't put in the work or sacrifice needed to be able to get to that end outcome. Right. Yes. And a lot of times people are like, man, you know, I love what you do. How do I get there? It's a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's no like shortcut, right? The work has to get done. So I love that you shared that. Yes, absolutely. And and young people, like I said, they need to know that because everything looks so fast. Everything looks so immediate. It's not. It takes years to get to a certain place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. I wanted to take a quick break right here and ask you a quick question. When you hear the words personal branding, what are you thinking of? I have a good many people who have responded to this saying they're thinking of a logo or maybe a website. And those are just a couple elements, right, to a personal brand, but they're not everything. In fact, your personal brand is in large part this ongoing process and development of your online reputation, your image, and a promise you're making to those that you interact with and influence on a day-to-day basis. And it's also derived from who you are, who you want to be, and who people perceive you to be. Now, in 2018, whether you are a CEO, uh, entrepreneur, a corporate professional, or you're a college grad, someone is Googling your name and the results that they find, if any, and a story being told about you and your brand is going to leave that person who is searching either more or less inclined to connect with you, do business with you, or hire you. And if you know right now that you need to fix this, if you know you need to begin building your personal brand or enhancing what you have already started working on, but you have no idea what to do from here or how to get started, I'd like to encourage you to sign up right now to learn more about my personal branding course called Brand You Academy. It's a first-class, six-week online program designed to help you build your amazing personal brand and digital footprint. If you're interested and you want to learn more, hop on over right now to tbpod.com slash brand you. Again, that's tbpod.com slash brand you. Now let's get back to today's episode. All right, Tori, so we're kind of coming to the tail end here, but I feel like we can circle back and talk a little bit about the center that you're working on right now for critical mentoring. Tell me a little bit more about why the center and why now and why you as the person to put this together. (laughs) So the Center for Critical Mentoring, that's an offshoot of the Youth Mentoring Action Network. And what's happening with that is that as we were doing our work we call it Iman for short. So as we were doing our work at Iman, people started to say, what is this sort of brand of mentoring that you're doing? How can we learn about it? Mm-hmm. And then when I put my book out, Critical Mentoring, A Practical Guide, folks started reading that. And then I started getting all kinds of interest in training and research and you know all sorts of work outside of the work that we do with young people. And so I really started the center to be sort of a think tank in a space for people engaged in critical youth work to come together, to learn, to train, uh, to get strategy, to take back to their organizations. And so it really has like three components. It has a training component where we bring folks in, we train them. It has a research component, which I'm really excited about because what that's going to do 
is put research out that really shifts the paradigm in the mentoring field and what it looks like. So we're trying to study alternative mentoring models, mentoring happening among marginalized populations. We're actually going to put a Kickstarter campaign out in the next few days here that asks women of color to fund research on what mentoring looks like for women of color. Wow. And so that's something that's, you know, just really an exciting part of the center that I just like can't stop sort of dreaming about. And then the third is we're going to have a response team. We have a group of trained folks that are ready to sort of be deployed to different communities when social and political issues take place. So this response team was actually formed in response to the Charlottesville incident. When the Charlottesville incident went down, if everyone remembers the protesters, the counter-protesters, when a young woman was killed, mm-hmm. people were talking about, what does this look like in mentoring? How do we talk to kids about this? And so I ended up writing an article and putting out some guidance. And I thought, what if we had folks who were trained in critical mentoring, critical youth work that we could send to these communities to help them support young people when these things go down? Right. So we created a response team for that. So those are the sort of the three things we're doing with the center. I can't answer why me other than God gave me the vision. (laughs) But I do think that it's something really necessary right now. There's been research done. And one of the questions asked of organizations was like, what do you need the most help with? And over and over again, organizations have said, we need help in the area of cultural relevance. We need help in serving marginalized populations. We don't know how to do that effectively. And so I think now is the right time for this kind of work. Yes. Well, I am wishing you God's richest blessing in this work that you're doing. I love it. You know, we met last year at Rumble and, yes. you know, I was just drawn to, to what you're doing and, you know, looking forward to seeing what continues to happen in the growth of the center and all that you're doing. Love it. And Thank for you. everyone listening, Blaze Anisha and Tori did her TED Talk recently. <laughs> and love that. I'm going to make sure we link that up in the show notes for everyone Thank to you. check out. Before I let you go, though, you know, our Blaze Nation loves to hear about the resources of our trailblazers. So tell us about a couple books that you'd recommend we add to our reading list. Yes. So right now I am reading Unapologetic, A Black, Queer, and Feminist Mandate for Radical Movements by Charlene Carruthers. This is the key (laughs) right here. I love this piece. And actually on my Instagram, I've been taking pieces, just quotes from her text and putting them up as one of my posts for the week because she has some really cool gems here. Also something that I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't read yet because it's not even out. But I've read pieces of just things that have been shared with me. But Tina Love's new joint that's coming out, Abolitionist Teaching. And the reason I'm sharing that one, even though I haven't had a chance to read it all, is because the stuff that I have read so far is amazing. Yes. Mm. And it's up my alley. For anybody working with young people, these are two books that you have to have. Because the pedagogy part, you know, the art of teaching, you know, the art of working with young people, some of that. You know, you can get the strategy and those things, kind of like reading business books, they can tell you how to do it. But some of the magic that happens comes from stuff like this. So those two books, those are my resources right now. That's what's feeding me and taking my mentoring to the next level. Love it. Love it. Tori, last question for you. Mm-hmm. What's one action that we should take this week that's going to help us to blaze our trail? Oh, wow. That's a good question. One action. Planning. <laughs> 
plan for your success. Write things down, have a vision, have a timeline. Planning has been key for me, and I'm probably the least organized person ever. (laughs) But I've noticed that in order to do the work that I'm doing, the more I plan, the tighter I plan, the more successful I am when it comes to executing. Yeah, absolute must. Tori, thank you so much for being part of the Trailblazers podcast. You're now part of our community and family of amazing featured guests we've had on. Before I let you go, tell us how we can stay connected to you. You can follow me on Twitter at T Weiston, T-W-E-I-S-T-O-N. Instagram has the same at, and you can hit up our website, ymanorg Tori Weiston, certain. Thank you so yes. much. For being Thank our you guest. so much. <laughs> this has been dope. I appreciate this. I'm a fan. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'll be posting links to all of today's book recommendations and links mentioned on our show notes page at tdpod.com. If today was your first time listening to the Trailblazers podcast, I just want to extend a warm Trailblazers welcome to you. We're so happy to have you here and we encourage you to go ahead and hit that subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. Go ahead and browse through some of our past episodes to keep the knowledge flowing. If you're a fan of the podcast and today's content, and you're maybe already subscribed to the podcast, please continue to share and invite your friends, your family, your colleagues to listen to an episode that you think might impact them most. We believe that someone listening to these inspiring stories will be moved to make significant changes that will have generational impact for many others, both now and well into the future. Don't miss next week's episode. New episodes are released each and every Monday by about 5 a.m. Eastern. Trailblazers, jump off this podcast today. Go find a way to rise above, go way beyond, and keep blazing your trail. Cheers.